Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back around the virtual campfire for another Frithcast Extra. Ta-da! Hello! Hello! So, welcome, welcome around the virtual campfire. Everybody, squidge up. You do not want to miss this episode. We're very, very glad you join us for today. If you're not quite sure who you're listening to, and I'm hoping the Frithcast tag on the file gives a big giveaway, my name is Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. And my name is Kate, and uh, I am a druid, uh, generally coffee-powered, and I live here, which is why I'm involved in all this. So um, what are we doing today, Suzanne? Well, today, Pinky, we're taking over the world. No, that's the wrong line. (laughs) That's, that's that's the other thing. Okay, no. Today, you might have noticed, we're releasing an episode off our usual schedule. You're getting an extra episode. You're getting another Frithcast Extra because we have a very, very special guest joining us around the virtual campfire to come and talk about all sorts of fab things. So, before we get going, shuffle up, grab a drink, grab a biscuit, settle in, warm your knees, you know the drill by now. We would like to welcome back around the virtual campfire, Kat Rector, who is a fabulous author. And last year, in September uh, 21, I think, you joined us around the virtual campfire to talk about your debut novel, Goddess of Nothing at All, and you are back with us to talk a little bit more about a certain sequel. So welcome, Cat Rector, around the virtual campfire. Greetings, Cat. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been just over a year since you uh, joined us last, and we got I got very, very excited, and I was very sure not to mention any spoilers, and we talked about your... Your first book, the process of writing that. So what's it been like in the last year or so? What are, what are the things that you've been up to in that time? Because I'm guessing it's been quite hectic with a starting with a book launch and ending about where you are at the moment. It has been a pretty wild year. Um, there's something about kind of getting to the end of a goal. Like I planned for years to release a book and then that book was out and then it's kind of, um, while there's always something else in the pipeline, you just kind of sit back and go, well, that's it. it it's out. All the all of the excitement has come and gone and now what? So I uh, laid down for about a week and then got back to work <laughs> on like the getting the next book prepared because I had been working on it for a while. Um, but it had a lot of work left to go. And now we're here and I'm about to do the same thing again, where I release a book and then lay down for a week. <laughs> it sounds like a perfectly uh, perfectly sensible way of dealing with that. Too many emotions, got to lay down. Yeah, mm. definitely. Just go need to stay in the blanket fort for a bit with a biscuit. And then uh-huh. have a moment. <laughs> Come out. So your, your original book, Goddess of Nothing at All came out last year. So you were mentioning there and talking there about a sequel that is coming out in a few short days time. So there is still time to put in a um, an order for that and get it for the release date. And if I remember rightly, the title of that is Epilogues for Lost Gods. Yes, that is by very strange title. And uh, it basically is what it says on the tin. 
Um, it is a bit of a uh, odd format, but the whole story is essentially an enormous epilogue for the first book where we get to see what happens after. And yeah, knowing that it, the first book pulled on a lot of uh, of Norse mythology and there's a, it is, you know, as a heathen, it's known as the one with the homework. Um, but there is a lot of source material up to the end point of that myth cycle. But the epilogue for Lost Gods kind of goes beyond that. And I should have mentioned at the beginning, this is a spoiler-free podcast. Uh, I will do my very best not to mention any of the awesome, awesome points in the book and try and keep it spoiler-free so that I don't spoil anybody's enjoyment going through uh, and reading that sequel for the first time. Um, so writing the sequel, you're kind of off the end of the the source material that is there. So did you find that process uh, an easier one than looking at the source material to structure the first story, or was it more difficult because you didn't have that framework to come off? It was a terrifying mix of things. I um, I did not have that framework, and that was freeing in some senses because I could step outside of the puzzle that had kind of been laid out for me in the first book. Uh, but that also means that it's up to me to create a completely plausible, entertaining plot. And that that's like a heavy burden to carry sometimes, especially like my, um, my personal love when I am writing is character and dialogue. And so I don't often um, have a plot first focus when I'm writing. I usually begin with character and the character arcs that I want to happen and then go from there. So without having any kind of lore to to work with, it, it was a challenge. I did manage to um, find other things to kind of work in, like non non-edda things, creatures and different pieces of like local folklore and things like that. So I was able to kind of have a few stepping stones to keep it within the same the same realm, the same worlds that we were working with before. Um, I think the most intimidating thing for me with this is that I have read other books before that do like they have their first or second book that ends in the same way, like it that that the myth mythology is over. And then the book after Sometimes I like that book or sometimes I don't like that book. It's, it's, it was very intimidating to me because I was wondering if even myself, when I was done writing it, am I going to like this take? Am I going to like my own take on things? So it's a case of a sort of, I guess, kind of trying to extrapolate what you know about the characters from both the myths and your, your sort of portrayal in, 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 in the original book. Um, and then kind of project that forward to try to get a, a, a kind of a consistent characterizations and and the the sort of situations that they might find themselves in and and, and that kind of thing is is kind of the trick to doing something like that. It's definitely a huge part of it, especially for me because um, my books I think will always be so like very character focused, and it was a challenge to find and build kind of the the world around the characters in that sense without any um, existing framework and just 
allowing myself to play freely while also understanding like there's a huge weight of expectation and everybody knows what they would like to see um and and being respectful to the that kind of material without uh stepping too close or too far from particular things i uh it was a challenge but like i enjoyed it but I'm also glad that I don't have to come up with anything else at the moment because <laughs> it's like I, I I'm an anxious being and I am happy to have done it and I'm happy that it's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so you were speaking there about it being character driven for you and um, having had the the privilege of of reading through epilogues and being able to read those characters and where they go did you find that there were certain characters that became surprising favorites for you or that you found easier to write and didn't anticipate being easier to write or were more difficult and didn't anticipate them being difficult to write when i started planning out this book i wasn't I wasn't even entirely sure that I should have a second book at first. Um, and the perspective that I had, um, the second book has a, a dual perspective. And we get to see from the one hand, Sigan's point of view, and from the other, Loki's point of view. And mm. the only thing that I had when I was originally conceiving a second book was Loki's point of view. So everything from Sigurd's point of view was actually a surprise for me, ironically, um, since book one was all her. Um, so I like I had eventually come to the conclusion that like I needed to continue her story as well. But what was compelling to me was the other half um, and kind of what it is like after your story ends. Mm. So that side was kind of um, least surprising to me in one sense. The character I think that surprised me the most was I, there's, there's a point where we get to follow Angerboda around and um, her character, her, the end of her arc surprised me the most, but I'm also very happy with because how to say it without spoiling it. Um, we can just I park think, that right I there. Think, <laughs> I mean, to be, yeah, like, to, be uh, fair, <laughs> to be fair, you're allowed to spoil it if you want to. But <laughs> I, I think that um, her the final part of her arc is what many of us would like to feel like. I'll leave it there. <laughs> so you were saying there that the second book has that just of dual perspective. Did you approach writing all of Sigyn's chapters in one batch and then all of Loki's, or did they come alternately as the story progressed? It was a bit of a mix of both, because um, I had already been putting down Loki's point of view before I knew about needing to do Sigyn's as well. And Mm -hmm. so I had probably about seven chapters worth of material from Loki's perspective before I went back and started again from the start, trying to figure out what um, the two things, like how it was going to interact. Um, Like I, the first, I would say 25% 
was was already was already there minus seeing Sigyn from her point of view and so I knew how I wanted to start it and not how I was going to pull everything through to a a, a an ending mm. and so it kind of I I ended up going back and forth a lot I would get to 50 percent and go nope and then go back to the start and and work through it again until I had the right stuff it sounds like a a really kind of almost complicated in-depth way of approaching almost uh, like a, a totally new set of material almost it is not something that um i would like to do again it is not the most organized way of working but i'm finding that um different books will kind of dictate to me halfway through that i haven't been working on it properly or that this was not the method and sometimes mm. I can do one point of view um, all at once and then go back for the second point of view. And sometimes it it doesn't work. Usually I just have a feeling partway through, not necessarily what is wrong, but that something is wrong. And then to go mm. back and kind of assess what that is. So the text sort of the text sort of guides you. Um, yeah. As much as your guide, you know, to, uh, I was going to say as much as you're guiding it. To, sounds like. Yeah, I, I usually have a bit of a, I don't know, a sixth sense. It's just something I'm, I either am avoiding working on it or I am unhappy and I don't know why. Like there's usually just this blockage that shows up when I am not working on it in the way that it, it needs to be worked on or that I'm making choices that are not working. So, you know, speaking there about sort of stories almost dictating to you how they want to be written. Are there any, were there any other stories that came to you or any other scenes that came to you that didn't make that final, that uh, get included into epilogues? One of the things that I did end up cutting because it didn't work for what I was trying to accomplish was that I had originally worked the entire plot in some sense around the Nidhogg and that completely did not work. It, um, it it was at one point it didn't make sense at another point it was like to have an ally like that is to have too powerful a weapon and so um, it got cut very quickly when I realized that I had like made it very unbalanced on the weapon side and also um it felt very forced it, it was something that felt unnatural to the plot when i went back to read it though unfortunately mm. nobody gets the nidhogg no <laughs> no love for the nidhogg <laughs> so <laughs> were there um other characters that maybe uh came up and told you a little bit about themselves or gave you scenes or vignettes or short stories that that didn't go into epilogues that um maybe will be released elsewhere or uh, not that i'm um, totally saying that i need more material but <laughs> there are a few things that i have specific to epilogues that are in my head um the majority of the stuff the extra stuff was from book one Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up going back and writing a short story collection. Um, it is titled Threads of Fate, and it's quite tiny. Um, it's about, I think it's, it runs under, I think, 200 pages. 
And it is a series of nine and a half, I call it, uh, stories about um, either Loki or Sigan or some of the side cast um, kind of getting to explore scenes that we didn't see in the first book um, or just some of them are for fun. Some of them are a little spicier than others. Some of them are quite traumatic in nature. Um, but things that stuck in my head and refused to let me go. Mm. And then I was able to kind of compile them and put them out there. Um, I hope someday to do a second collection for book two, but uh, I would not hold your breath on that one. No, just, I, I will I will wait. I will wait. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that so sounds- now that... that, sounds- that- Book two is almost out, and the threads of fate is is almost here as well. What's next for you? What what kind of things are you are you kind of thinking of or working on at the moment? Are you able to give us any little, not necessarily detailed understandings, because of course maybe that you're still working things through. But are there any kind of broad projects that you're thinking of or that you're working on at the moment that you could give us a little bit of? I have a few things in my long-term pipeline, um, but the thing that is most immediate and is scheduled for the next release, which would be next fall, um, is a book that is kind of an alternate universe fantasy version of kind of like Salem Witch Trials. And um, the perspective that I want to kind of explore is from... We, it, it is a fantasy book, so I, in, I there's going to be a witch with actual magic, but the focus being um, midwifery and and healing and and being a resource for the community that is also very much um, disliked by the community in general, despite how often they need her services. And wow. on the flip side of that um, is the naive village girl who kind of her she's realizing something is not right in this town that continues to burn witches. And um, thematically, I'm trying to explore that um, midwifery and demonizing people. And as well, there's like some religious trauma and some menstrual health stuff. And it is probably going to end up just as dark as my other work, but um, tackles some things that are really important to me right now. Wow, I, it sounds so very different to um, you know, Goddess of Nothing at All, Epilogue for Lost Gods. It sounds like a, yes, historical, but a very different approach to, to that material, those themes. I think that I am going to find myself every year um, picking something based on whatever is important to me at the time or whatever um, deep focus I have gained in the last little while. I knew that I wanted to do something about like, like, like a witchy book. I knew that that was like a, a vibe that I wanted to be writing about. And the themes kind of didn't come to me until I started exploring topics about like nonfiction books about healthcare and inequality and the history of, of women and uh, like queer people inside of the healthcare system over long periods of time. And that kind of inspired me to take a very particular route with that story. Mm. 
Okay, I shall be watching out for that in about a year's time. I'll be making sure I keep eyes on and see if I can uh, snag myself a copy of that when it comes out. It sounds amazing. Um, Thank you. I hope it will be. (laughs) (laughs) So if people um, want to get hold of, you know, wanting to start at the beginning with Goddess of Nothing at All, which was a book that for me sparked off a great deal of profound reflection about my own faith and about the way that I approach certain people that you mention in that book. And if they want to happen to order Epilogue for Lost Gods and Threads of Fate at the same time, because you might as well, all three are in one place, where might they find you? Uh, Where can they find your books? Where can they find you on social media? For the books themselves, they're available pretty much through any major retailer. Um, You won't find them on a shelf in a store, but you can order it through most people online or at the front desk. Um, They're available in special edition hardcover, paperback, or on ebook, audiobook someday, I hope. Um, And as well for people who really want to go hardcore with it, my website has a signed book section, but that is quite a commitment. Um, socially, I can be found mostly on TikTok these days, oddly enough, um, Twitter and Instagram, and it's all cat underscore rector as the handle. Wonderful. Well, thank you very, very much for spending a little bit of time just before release day for your second book. So I would, I would gather that the countdown to the week of sleep has already begun. Um, and you're, uh, <laughs> I'm certainly looking forward to epilogue, epilogues being out in the wild so that people can get hold of a copy. But there is still time. There are still a few days to order uh, one, both or the full set just before epilogues comes out. And if you're really, really up to it, being able to read the first one before the second one arrives fresh off the press in a few days time. Kat, thank you very, very much for taking a little bit of time out of what must be an incredibly hectic schedule right now to come and talk to us around the virtual campfire. And I cannot wait for epilogues to come out and I cannot wait for Threads of Fate and the one for next year. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always happy to come and and chat with you. It's, It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So lovely lovely listeners you know where to find us if you want to come and talk to us or you want to go and talk to Kat about her work about her books order her books come and hang out with us around the virtual campfire so you can find me I'm Suzanne Martin I am on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans and I'm also on Facebook as Suzanne Martin and should you want to find me um, I am uh, on Facebook as Kate Coldwind um, you can also find our um, uh, a link to our little uh, page on there if you just uh, search on faith- Facebook under Frithcast Pod, uh, and from there you can find links to our um, Facebook group and to our Discord server, our little virtual virtual campfire where we'd be happy for you to come and join us. Yeah, we have got voice channels. We've got uh, a good ten or twelve text channels of various different types. You're welcome to come along. Have a chat to other lovely listeners from around the world. And Kate and I pop in with the biscuits occasionally as well. 
So, lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this Frithcast Extra. Thank you, Kat, for coming along and talking about your your books and your upcoming projects as well. Lovely listeners, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.